You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. Well, this is an interesting morning. Haven't been this tired in a long time, which I knew was going to happen. Dumb tornado two days ago, didn't get any sleep. Then I was up late doing the podcast, had to get up early to do this podcast, and I have Coach Hahn joining me in about 15 minutes to do another podcast. So pretty crazy, but it's going to be nice because I get, again, I'm going to get like four days of just relaxing. Not four full days, because I guess that would include today, which is not relaxing. And day four, which includes driving back. I get two days. I get two days to relax. All going to be worth it in the end, is what I keep telling myself. Something I tell myself daily. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a mantra. It'll only get better. But today, what I want to do is just do what we didn't do yesterday. I want to go through what Gutekunst and LaFleur talked about. I want to go through Tunyon, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, Randall Cobb, and I want to talk a little bit about what the Bears have been doing. I haven't been doing that the whole time, but I got a couple notes. Again, they're not quite as thorough as Packers notes, but I've got a couple notes from them, um, and we'll probably just start there because I don't know how long it's going to take and, you know, save the best for last kind of thing. But uh, just give you some general notes, and for the Bears fans that are actually listening to the podcast, that do listen to the podcast, some pretty good insights for you. And uh, for the rest of us, we're just kind of scoping out what the, uh, the enemy's doing. But again, if you wouldn't mind considering supporting the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can support this podcast for as little as $1 a month. If everybody listening to this show said, you know what, fine, I'll give the guy a buck a month. I won't even notice it. I might not have to go to work on Tuesday. I mean, I probably will because you're supposed to put in two weeks and then there's a bunch of clerical paperwork I'm supposed to do. And it's a bit of a process. It's not exactly like, you know just walk off the job money where I don't even need your lame benefits. No, I'd, I'd like to take the 50 cents a week um, benefits that I accumulated <laughs> a little bit of time that I've been working there. But again, it doesn't need to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you for a hundred bucks, buck a month, man. And if you sign up for the year, it's discounted. Now, to be honest, and, and I know that's the smart thing. I should be asking you to do it for the year because all the big giant businesses who have smart people that work for them, they want you to sign up for the year. It freaks me out because if it's a buck a month, not very many people are going to cancel. If it's 10 bucks a year, that $10 charge comes up and it's like, I ain't paying $10. Forget that guy. I haven't listened to his podcast and like, you know, whatever. So it freaks me out that I'm going to have a ton of cancellations coming up because they started that year long thing around now. But whatever. Deal with that when we deal with that. Also, the Palmer Home for Children. Again, if you'd like to support that, uh, you can see it at my twi- uh, Twitter pinned post as well as at the top of the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. It's one of the announcements, I should say. I don't know if it's at the top or where it is, but it's in the announcements. Um, If it's on your phone, the announcements are just this little scrolly thing. You just scroll left and right, coach on questions, all that good stuff. 
Um, on the PC, it just the top one should be there, and then somewhere up there it says announcements. Click on it; it'll be in that pile of stuff. All right, let's talk about Bears Camp. This is mostly day two type stuff. Um, we'll start off with uh, the injuries slash no shows, which is something that I said I always do, except. I did it for the Bears. I didn't do it for the Packers, which is dumb. Uh, Bears rookie offensive tackle, Tevin Jenkins. Again, remember, the, there's, the Bears had not just one big pick, but two really big picks. Justin Fields, by a lot of people's estimation, fell farther than he should have, and the Bears got a steal in him. Also, Tevin Jenkins, it was kind of thought that the Packers probably wouldn't even be able to get him. Um, and when they were trading up, that was a possibility that it was going to be Tevin. He fell into the back of the second, or not at the back, he fell into the second round. Bears, I believe, traded up again to get Tevin Jenkins. So he's a, he's another guy that they're really depending on being quite good. Um, but Bears off, uh, rookie offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins will not practice on Thursday. He has a back injury. Robert Quinn and Bilal Nichols will again be limited. Eddie Jackson is in the NFI, and Jermaine Effetti is on PUP. NFI being non-football injury. So he was, uh, you know, doing a keg stand, slipped, and cracked his tooth. I don't know. I'm just, I made that up, and I'm just giving you an example. Next note says, Bears head coach Matt Nagy reiterated that injuries to safety Eddie Jackson, which are a hamstring, and right tackle Jermaine Effetti, hip flexor, are not concerning. Nagy also said rookie left tackle Tevin Jenkins will miss his second straight practice. So, again, I'm not rooting for injury. But in terms of, let's just say all these guys are okay, they just got a little naggy thing. You know how that happens sometimes, you know? My right shoulder still is not 100% from, I think it was a year ago. I'm, I'm, part of me thinks it might have been two years ago, but I, I'm going to say it was a year ago playing football with my son, and I, I just kind of, my shoulder started, you know, that happens all the time because I don't even know how to properly throw a football. So it kind of aches a little bit, and that usually happens. This time it aches literally for a year, and now it's the pain is gone, but it's almost like I have limited range of motion. It's not even 100% gone. I just lifted my... If I lift my arm a certain way, I'm doing it right now, it does hurt. There's a pinching thing. So anyways, let's just assume it's one of those just kind of nagging things. It's interesting to me, in somewhat of a positive way, that he went out of his way to say that Jermaine Effetti, Eddie Jackson, not concerning. Uh, Jenkins also won't play. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is that also not concerning, Matthew? Or... What's, what's the deal with that? Next note says, Bears quarterback coach John DiFilippo was not at practice yesterday because he is going through the COVID-19 protocol. DiFilippo is fully vaccinated per Matt Nagy, which is kind of obvious because I think all the top-end coaches have to be. But again, brings us back to the whole thing about dude has COVID and is spreading it around the locker room but doesn't get in trouble because he's vaccinated, which I guess kind of makes sense but kind of doesn't. Like, why would you get in trouble? You're doing everything you're told. But it just kind of goes to show how this thing is kind of weird, where if you're vaccinated, you can just act like nothing's wrong. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't really have to distance. You can presumably go hang out in town, and we know that you can still catch it and spread it. So basically, you're allowed to spread COVID if you have the vaccine. You're going to get huge trouble if you spread the vaccine, if you spread COVID and don't have the vaccine. I don't, I kind of get it, but it's, it's stupid. And finally, and this is maybe the biggest development, Bears defensive lineman Akeem Hicks was not spotted during practice today. Next note on that says, no sign of Bears defensive lineman Akeem Hicks at practice. He was not among the players Matt Nagy listed as not being expected to practice today. Now, I don't know what's going on. I'm guessing it's not super serious, 
Um, but remember, Akeem Hicks wants off the team. It's not just Robinson. Akeem Hicks also was asking to be traded, which this is something I really wish there wasn't all this big news because I was going to go on an absolute tirade and maybe still will at some point. The amount of teams in the NFL in which you have players saying, get me off this team is most teams, most years, most teams. Nobody gets blasted the way the Packers do. The entire Bears organization basically is like, get me out of this horrible organization. The Vikings just had their star wide receiver force his way off the team. The Lions have had people openly say, you know, remember when, uh, who was it, Snacks? Snacks got a phone call from the Detroit Lions. He he wouldn't answer the phone. He's like, oh, crap. (laughs) No, please, God, no. Nobody talks about how these guys are, are a, well, maybe they talk about how the Lions are a joke, but not in the way that the, you know, the, the Packers are uniquely horrible because Aaron Rodgers is upset. And it's just Aaron Rodgers. That's it, right? Nobody, I mean, the Steelers are considered one of the great organizations like the Packers used to be, despite the fact that they had two people flat out refuse to play, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, just refused. I would rather not play and lose all my money than play for you ever again. Le'Veon Bell also said he would never play for Andy Reid again. Does anybody think he's a terrible coach? No, he's a great coach, one of the best, even though one of his players said he's horrible and I would never, ever in my life play for him ever again. Seattle, Russell Wilson says every year he doesn't want to be here. They had their star safety flip the sideline off because of the way that they handled his contract. As he's being carted off, he flipped off his own sideline. Does does Seattle catch the same flack? No. Xavier Howard for Miami, one of the most, one of the most, Maybe it's a little unfair for me to say, but I would say at this point overrated GMs and head coaches in the NFL. The second those guys took the job, it's like, these are the best. These these are some of the best. They're at the top of the, they're like number three. Number three coach, number three GM, right there, right there at the top. They haven't done anything. And now Xavier Howard says, get me off this garbage team. And everybody just puts on the blinders. They don't see, I don't know what you're talking. I've never seen anything in my life. I don't know what's going on. No, it's just the Packers because one guy says, I don't like the way you're you're handling stuff. And the other funny thing is, in the, in the same breath that a lot of these national media guys will say that the Packers are horrible because Aaron Rodgers is upset. We don't know the details, but just the fact that he's upset means that they're horrible, which is, again, a standard that doesn't get applied to anybody else. But in the same breath, they'll talk about how they know how dramatic and how much of a uh, grudge holder Aaron Rodgers is as sort of a way to tr- sort of like back up their point, I guess. Oh, there's coach. Um, anyways... I got to get going, but hypocritical. Akeem Hicks not showing up. We'll see what happens. And then we'll, I'm going to continue this in just a second. <laughs> All right, Coach Hawn interview completed. Guys are in for a treat, as always, assuming that um, we can get this thing working. Anyways, again, uh, Akeem Hicks, a no-show. Uh, let me just see if there are any developments on that. So nothing as of yet. Akeem Hicks missing, and we don't know why. I'm going to move on to all the other positions, but I am going to save quarterback for last because obviously that's what most Packer fans care about. Um, But looking at wide receiver, Aaron Robinson, beautiful diving catch on the right sideline. Riley Ridley struggled a bit to start practice with a few drops and drills, but he just made a nice catch on the sideline from Justin Fields. And then finally, a couple drops for Riley Ridley. So Bears fans talk a big game about, again, Packer fans or Packers don't have anybody outside of uh, their number one wide receiver but the Bears are in the same position, and to be fair, as much as they're excited about Darnell Mooney and what he brings, uh, Darnell finished the season with a 68 overall grade, so average. Riley Ridley was the other top guy at 75 overall, so a decent wide receiver option. 
but he's struggling so far in camp with a bunch of drops. At running back, uh, Matt Nagy said in his pre-camp uh, press conference or whatever, he said, um, David Montgomery has gotten better each year, not only his play, but as a leader as well. Uh, also added Tariq Cohen, who is watching pri- uh, practice today, still walking gingerly as he continues to recover from torn ACL in his right knee. So another guy um, that is a pretty big piece. I mean, Tariq Cohen, I think a lot of Bears fans wish that he was a bigger uh, piece of the puzzle. I specific- specifically remember a couple years ago thinking, if uh, Tariq Cohen gets a big role in this offense, we're in trouble, and they almost never gave him the ball. And when when he did, he was dominant, but they just decided, nah, let's not do what works. Um, at tight end, uh, Jesse James, terrific catch over the middle from Justin Fields. He can move and looks like a night, a nice late July addition. So he's another guy. I was like, isn't he the guy that just retired? And uh, no, that's they added Jesse James, but they also added Jake Butt, and Jake Butt, I believe, is the one that retired. An additional note um, as far as expectations for the Bears, Cole Komet is going to have an expanded role this year. Uh, note on the defense as a whole, talk from Nagy and Desai has been getting the defense back to a top level. So far, they've looked good in two days of practice that the media has attended. So um, no real negative notes here from the defense so far, but again, nothing has really gotten going um, as far as pads and whatnot. Looking at linebackers, we got a note that says, one player I've been impressed with so far in two days is Christian Jones. I don't know what this means, but he says, cheese has grip on the ILB three spot. Maybe it's just supposed to say he has a grip. I don't know. Uh, but it says he's made some really good plays for the Bears. So Christian Jones, a guy to keep an eye on at linebacker. Obviously, there's the top two guys, but I don't know how much longer. That's another guy that's not going to be around much longer is Mr. Danny Trevathan. Um, another note is that Mr. Robert Quinn, edge rusher, apparently is going to have a different role. I don't know exactly what that's going to be, but the Bears are planning to put him in a different role. And then also, nice play by James Vauders coming off for a quick sack. Cornerback Duke Shelley and Thomas Graham making some plays in practice. Again, defense is looking, let's say, better than the offense so far. And cornerback uh, is a big question mark for the Chicago Bears. They might not think so, but at the very least, it's a question, if, if not just a liability. So reports like this are going to be important for them. Also, apparently Cairo Santos, the kicker, had a good day. But um, as far as the quarterback, which is what everybody cares about, here are the notes that I gathered from quarterback. Obviously, it's the most notes because everything that happened they had to put down, but I'll just read them in order, and you'll get the, the gist of how the day went. Justin Fields had a rough practice on Tuesday, which was considered a closed practice, but Matt Nagy says the rookie was unfazed by it. So Tuesday isn't... Um, that was day one of training camp, not today. So... In the pre-practice interview with Nagy, he acknowledged that Justin Fields did not have a very good day in the first day of training camp, but that he's, you know, he's unfazed, he's still locked in. Next note says, 7-on-7 seven seven starts with Bears camp with Andy Dalton hooking up with Marquise Goodwin on a deep ball, so obviously Andy Dalton is the number one right now, so he's starting with the number ones. Next note says, Mooney was wide open in the end zone, but sadly Dalton overthrew him, which just makes me laugh so much. Bears quarterback Justin Fields looks more confident today, ball coming out sharp. Um, Then we had a Thursday recap here. It says, Andy Dalton looked sharp in clear command of the offense. How do you expect a quarterback entering year 11 to practice? Justin Fields, not as crisp. Some accuracy issues, how you'd expect a rookie quarterback on day two to look. Third, Nick Foles mostly diced it up on number three defense. So listen, I'll grant them that you got to give Justin Fields some space. But let's also acknowledge that uh, the Packers were crucified because our number three quarterback, uh, Jordan Love, looked goofy with his footwork or something. I don't know. He's had two... Justin Fields, who is the next Patrick Mahomes, according to some Bears fans, 
has looked kind of bad in his first two practices ever. I mean, he did have the camp earlier, but um, this is no pads, nothing, and he's really having a rough go of it. So, I mean, if you want to give him some slack, that's fine, but then take back every single thing you've ever said about Jordan Love. How about that? Anyways, next one says, I thought Andy Dalton had a better day today at quarterback. Looked like a veteran out there with the offense. Hit throws, missed on big ones. Fields was better than he was yesterday, but he had some moments. But still not at the level to overtake Andy. Next note, experience difference between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields was clear. The rookie was slower making reads and struggled with some of his ball placement. Finally, biggest thing for Fields right now is processing and knowing where to go with the ball. He can sling it, but has to be more confident. There was a note that I put in the wrong spot, um, I think, for yesterday's podcast, but it was that their running back was um, asking Andy Dalton a ton of questions. I think he said in his, in his interview, uh, Montgomery said, uh, he's going to think that I'm the police pretty soon or something to that effect because I'm asking him so many questions. And it really just dawned on me. The reason I even put that note in there is because it dawned on me, we might be in for a surprise as far as how long Andy Dalton is the is the starting quarterback. I thought it was just sort of he's the token starting quarterback, but they're going to hand it over after like two weeks. But if you look at just, just this simple fact that Andy Dalton, he's not a good quarterback, but he knows how to be a quarterback in the NFL. He knows how to make his reads. He, you know, you've got players. Nobody's going up to Justin Fields saying, hey, how do I play football, right? Nobody's doing that. They're going to Andy Dalton. You say what you want about Andy Dalton. He is a, a, as he said, an 11-year veteran. He has so much knowledge and understanding. So he comes into this offense and Nagy's like, here's what we want to do. He's like, yeah, I got it. Here's the play. Yeah, he he understands the, the whole thing from top to bottom. He knows what's expected of him, his running backs, his offensive line, his wide receivers. He knows what to look at for the defense. So when a play comes out, he's looking at it. He's making adjustments. He says, you go over here, you go do this. And he, he knows that this guy should be a, There's so many things that he knows. Now, can he execute? Not very well, right? Overthrows a guy wide open in the end zone. That's the problem with a guy like Andy Dalton. But Justin Fields has so far to go. And maybe he closes that gap quickly. You know, I mean, it's only been two days. Maybe he starts to figure out after day three or four of training camp. Maybe it's in preseason. Maybe it's in week two or three. I don't know. At some point, they're going to do trial by fire. But the point is... Um, yeah, we'll give Fields some slack, but it sounds like the gap between those two is pretty massive right now. The The ceiling for Justin Fields is through the roof, but the actual execution gap and understanding what is expected. And, you know, the more you talk to Coach Hahn, the more you understand how deep this thing runs. And it's not it's not the NBA. It's not just one guy that can take over. There is a whole process to what we do. And if you don't understand the process, you're a liability to our team. And Justin Fields, you can he can be the most talented guy in the world, but if he doesn't understand the process, what's expected of him and the rest of the team, what I called, but not just what play I called, why I called it, and what we're supposed to do with this information, uh, like Coach Hahn said, there's no such thing as static plays anymore. It's not like, here's the play, you go out and just sling it. No, once I call that play, now we're just getting started. Now you have to read the defense. Now you have to understand this guy needs to be over here. You got to make your help make line adjustments, wide receiver adjustments, running back adjustments. You see Rodgers do it all the time. Hey, get over there, dummy. Stand to my right, please. Thank you very much. That takes a long time. And and look, every rookie goes through that and there's going to be growing pains and it's not going to be perfect, but that's the point. There's always going to be a little bit of that. And so let's just say if we assume Justin Fields is going to be a elite quarterback at some point, I think it's safe to say it probably isn't going to be his rookie year. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break and I'll start ripping through some of these interviews that we've had the last couple of days and just provide whatever commentary there happens to be. Um, But we'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So we'll start off with the Gutekunst interviews. I don't I still don't know the best way to go through this exactly. I think we'll do Guten Lafleur and then we'll do day two Guten Lafleur. I don't know. And obviously, it seems like it would be unnecessary because obviously we've learned more since and we have day two Gut, which is probably going to clear some stuff up. But it is interesting to hear now that we know new information. Um, but anyways, some of the notes from Gutekunst here. Um, number one, he says, Aaron is that, has the same kind of input he always had. He's earned a place at the table. One of the things this offseason is how to incorporate that. So I mentioned it, I think, on Twitter. It seems like Matt LaFleur is much more interested in having Aaron Rodgers a part of, the, of this whole process. Gutekunst is very stuck in his ways, and I don't mean to imply that it's a bad thing, but I don't think he's very open and receptive to the idea of giving Rodgers a big seat at the table. He says there's a seat, but, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. But, but again, even his whole demeanor in a negotiation with Aaron Rodgers, trying to make him at least feel heard. I mean, just a basic negotiation thing is you make the guy feel like they won, even if they didn't, right? Just be like, oh, dude, that's that's brilliant. You know, make especially a guy like Aaron, and I've worked with guys like this, they they just want their ego stroked. And so there, there was a guy I worked at in my last job where I would just go up to him and ask him how stuff worked, like with with electronics. Like, I, you know, I'm trying to replace this part in, in on a board or whatever. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get why this hat, why is that? And dude, he would just, you know, some guys, you ask them that and they get annoyed, right? Leave me alone. Some guys, just because you're asking them, they're really going to like you for asking them because they love to, they're like teachers at heart and they, they might be kind of loud and arrogant and all that stuff. But the fact that you're humbling yourself and acknowledging how smart they are and how good they are at their, their craft, which they care deeply about. And the fact that they do like to teach, just, they just love that stuff. And I think for Rogers, to, if you just give him the impression of, wow, this is a great idea. I, I, I hadn't thought of that. And that's, and, and we could do this and no, 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 no. Yeah, we should do. You, you don't really have to change much, but just make it feel like you are. You know, if you're, if he's going to give you suggestions and you're going to say no anyways, which Rogers has even acknowledged, like, you don't have to say, yes, I just want you to hear me. Just be like, yeah, dude, for sure. That's a, let me look into that and then throw it in the garbage. I don't care what you do with the information. But it's just the demeanor of like, you know, he's always had a seat at the table. I don't care. It's all, we, we, like he, he, he's making it very clear we're not changing. And again, 
You can just say you're changing and not change anything. Mike McCarthy did it for about five years. <laughs> We're going to change this offense. Nothing changed. Goes on to say, Brian Gutekunst says Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any more say in personnel than he did before, but says now it's about figuring out how to better incorporate the input. Which again is true, but just make it seem different. Um, asking about the resolution with Aaron Rodgers, he says, I was always hopeful for a resolution. I always believed we'd be here for camp. We became confident as the last week rolled on. So obviously they started, I don't know, I, it would be interesting to know what happened because, um, you know, he maintained a positive feeling about it, whatever. Okay, fine. But everybody from Rodgers to Gutekunst has acknowledged something happened in that last week that really clicked. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the Randall Cobb discussions. I'm not sure when they budged on that. Who knows? Something happened that really clicked. Then maybe it was just Rodgers saying after clearing his head, like, you know what, let's, let's find a way to make it work. He says, uh, we reached a resolution because our goals are the same. We want to ch- win a championship with the Green Bay Packers, which I think everybody kind of acknowledges this, is the reality. There's a rift, and I, I think there's just a different philosophy between the two, and they're not going to bridge that gap. Rodgers thinks the Packers should run things one way. The Packers believe it should be run another way, and um, I, don't, I think they're just at an impasse with that. But again, they both came back to the fact of the best thing for everybody independently is for Rodgers to come back and win. As much as Rodgers might want to stick it to him, because they're not doing things the right way, in his opinion. At the end of the day, he's hurting himself, because the best thing for him is to come back and win a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. For him, for his teammates, for the people he cares about, um, it's, it's the best thing. He goes on to say, and this is something that I alluded to, he says, there's a perception out there we don't treat our players well. That couldn't be further from the truth. He says, Gutekunst and how he needs to grow, as implied by Rodgers, he says, we've always treated our players well, but there are communication lapses. Well, I think that that's true, and I, I kind of alluded to that, right? They believe treating them well means we draft you, we develop you, we commit to you, which means letting some of the veterans go so that you get opportunities and real opportunities. And undrafted free agents, this is a great place to be an undrafted free agent because we always give undrafted free agents a fair shake. Um, there's a lot of guys that are low-end guys that that make the team because it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, if you can produce, then, then you're going to produce. And, and again, they've always done well with paying guys what they're worth to stay. But um, he goes on to say, but there are communication lapses. And again, I think that is the problem. But at the same time, you can't say that you've always treated everybody super well if there are, quote unquote, communication lapses, because that's an area where you're struggling with that. So yeah, on a lot of things, I think the Packers do things great. But that's that's a simple one. And I think that's the thing that bothers me the most. It's not complicated. It's just not. Goes on to say, it's very important for the Packers to extend Devontae Adams. He's not going to get into the specifics of the negotiation. He says, quote, Devontae is really important to us. It's really important. He's a part of our football team. We're trying to make that work. There's been a lot of growing pessimism as people are analyzing this um, Aaron Rodgers contract, which I don't really have the details. I have some of the details, but I don't really understand it yet. Some people who think they understand it feel like we're in a lot of trouble and that Devontae is definitely gone. I'm still remaining optimistic on that. Now, the Packers have said we got to make some tough decisions, but I just, I don't see any way that that one of those tough decisions involves getting rid of Devontae. So I'm still fairly confident that that's getting done. Um, Brian Gutekunst, when asked how to make sure this isn't the last dance, he says winning is the key to everything. And of course, that's true. And I, I even said that when Lafleur came over and everybody was talking about how Rodgers and Lafleur weren't going to gel, you know, because Rodgers is sensitive. Remember that whole thing? But we refuse to acknowledge that when we want to trash the Packers. 
And and my whole thing was it depends if they're winning. If they're not winning, Rodgers is not going to like Lafleur, and there's going to be drama, and he's going to be throwing shade at the sideline, and he's going to be throwing temper tantrums on the sideline and throwing tablets and saying stupid effing play and all that stuff. And if they're winning, he's going to be a happy guy. The Packers have been winning. He's a happy guy. Well, he's not. He's not. But uh, you know, he appears happy during the season. Tom Silverstein wants to know: uh, Would they be in this spot if Gutekunst called Rodgers draft night? He says, we did call Aaron on draft night. It just wasn't before. We revisited that a couple times. It's a hard question to answer, and I'm not sure about that. I, I don't think it's a good question. And I said that on Twitter, and somebody's like, of course that's the problem. He even said it's not the problem. It might be a problem, and it might just be a part of the problem with, with communication, but to pretend that that's the whole thing and to pretend that he would have no issue with anything that's going on after he just laid the whole thing out for us, which granted, this came before the Rodgers thing. So Tom didn't know that. But at this point, we can't pretend that it's just a Jordan Love thing. And, and especially not only the, the fact that they picked him, but the idea that if they just called him ahead of time, come on, that's such a, I think that's a, I'm sorry, I think that's a stupid question. I mean, it's fair to maybe ask and get him to, to answer it, but it's, that's, no. Um, Brian Kudikans, how committed are you to keeping Aaron Rodgers in 2021 and beyond? Now, this is an interesting answer because I've said the Packers have said they're committed to him beyond 2021. I remember Mark Murphy said that. Um, he said that repeatedly. But this is interesting. He says, right now, we're really focused on 2021. Put this offseason behind us and move forward with this season. So he would not commit to Aaron Rodgers beyond this. And, now, and, and obviously, they have not committed to Aaron Rodgers, period. But again, it's one of those things where you can say that you'd like to be able to move forward. You know, we would like Rodgers to be around here for a long time. There's a lot of you know, moving parts. We got to see how the season goes. We got to see how Rogers feels. We got to, you know, assess things at a, at a later date. And that's kind of what he's saying, but it just, just the way he said it makes it seem like, uh, we're kind of focused on this year. In other words, now nah, we want him gone. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. I, I get the impression from Gutekunst, uh, in his first press conference, but especially his second conference that he's just really upset with what's going on. Like he's just, uh, bitter about it in a sense. Uh, went on to say, Gutekunst on the reported agreement to trade Aaron Rodgers after the season if he wants out, quote, the club will always determine what's best for the Green Bay Packers, but I think he's earned the right to have those discussions. Rodgers alluded to the fact that he's never been told that he will have anything to do with that. Again, somewhat of a conflict. Gutekunst said that right now there are contractual things they have not done with Rodgers, but he said Rodgers deserves a conversation after the end of the season uh, as to where the organization is headed in the next season and where Rodgers sits. Brian Gutekunst on if Rodgers can pick his team to be traded after the season. I think he's earned the right to have those discussions again. Um, according to Rodgers, that's not the case, but according to Gutekunst, it is. Gutekunst says there's going to be some future pain moving forward with the salary cap based on the moves we've made this season. There's some decisions made that uh, we wouldn't have in the past because we see what's in our future. So again, the Packers are in all-in mode. They see that this is a a not just a really good team, but a shortened window. You know, when Rodgers is you know, 28 years old, and you got a really good team, you worry more about the future, right? Let's make sure he has sustained success. We'll just keep taking swings at it. When you've got a condensed window, um, you don't have to worry about Rogers' 32-year-old season and how the team might be decimated because there probably isn't going to be one. So if you're going to be rebuilding anyways, not that you want a quarterback to come into a mess, but you kind of start to say we we gotta you know we gotta close this window here and we gotta end it with another championship. It's it's very important that we do that, and that's the mode that they're in right now. Um, Gutekunst asked about injuries. He says uh, all the non-football injuries from yesterday were all short-term things, no major issues. 
Um, and then he goes on to say, we're one play away from Love being quarterback one. This is a different thing, but because that's the nature of our game. He has to prepare like he's going to be the guy. I don't think his mindset changes. I like where he's at. So that was Gutekunst day one in a nutshell, um, kind of being uh, evasive. I think I'm just going to go Gutekunst day two just because we're kind of in the tone and voice of Brian Gutekunst. Um, but asked about Randall Cobb. Gutekunst point blank says Randall Cobb wouldn't be here if not for Aaron Rodgers. Says he's a good player, though. Now, this is the interpretation of somebody. Um, this is not his quote, even though it's framed as a quote. But anyways, uh, on that same point, somebody else says Gutekunst maintains he has tremendous faith in Matt LaFleur's staff to incorporate Randall Cobb into the offensive plan. Again, one of those things where he's making it sound a certain way that doesn't sound positive. You should always try to frame things in a positive light when you're the GM. Give us the coach speak. So he's saying that Cobb is here because of Rodgers, right? Largely. He's also going on to say, I don't have a plan for him in this offense, right? This is what this is essentially what it means if we read between the lines. I didn't want Cobb here. I don't know how he's going to fit into this offense. We're just doing this to placate Rodgers. I have no idea how he's going to fit in this offense, but I'm sure Matt LaFleur who's, is going to have uh, the ability to find a way to make it work. That doesn't instill a lot of confidence in anybody about anything. Uh, goes on to say, having Randall Cobb in our building is a positive. There's no doubt about that. What he brings not only as a player, but as a person in our locker room is a positive. So at least he added in that. But again, just some of the ways he answers things, it just seems like he's really upset with the way things are right now. And he's kind of letting it bleed through in these press conferences. He doesn't like that he got worked over on Randall Cobb. He doesn't like that there's a personnel move that he would not have made that's being made to placate Rodgers. That feels painfully obvious to me. Uh, moving on, Gutekunst says the Packers have agreed to terms with tackle Dennis Kelly, who played for Matt LaFleur in Tennessee. He started every game for the Titans last year. Gutekunst says the offensive tackle Dennis Kelly isn't a reflection of hesitation that David Bakhtiari will be ready in week one. Says it's more to bolster tackle depth. Packers like that he's familiar with LaFleur's offense in Tennessee. Started all 16 games for the Titans last season. So on that point about not being scared about um, uh, David Bakhtiari, when I talked to Coach Hahn, and you'll see this in the interview whenever it goes live with Coach Hahn, but um, he says that even if David Bakhtiari is back, Dennis Kelly is your right tackle. So again, it has nothing to do with David Bakhtiari. He believes that today, if we were starting this season, David Ke- or uh, Dennis Kelly is the man. He's playing. Uh, Gutekunst says, uh, not very often is there an exception to the better to get rid of a vet too early than a year too late rule but they do exist. He understands why there might be hurt feelings and what he calls tough business, but those moves help the team grow. And, and again, I tend to agree with that. That is a philosophy that I agree with, the better a year early than a year too late. Um, and, and again, it really just, it's not a matter of the fact that they missed on a couple of valuations because they did. I think some people went through and they said of the nine players, six of them were probably really wise decisions. And remember, these are good football players that they moved on from, and six of them went on to do nothing. Now, that's not my evaluation, but that's what other people had come to the conclusion of. But my issue isn't letting guys go. My issue is just how you let them go. And as long as they're doing that, then I I trust the process. Um, His thoughts on input from Rodgers, quote, Input from him, he's unique. Every player's not going to have that input. He's unique. He's Aaron. At the end of the day, I'm going to take that in, and I'm going to make a decision, and we're going to move forward. Then he goes on to say it's no different than it's always been. And again, that's the part that isn't great. Um, It needs to be different, even if it's just the way that you interact. And and, and he's right. Aaron Rodgers, not every player gets a seat at the table, but Aaron Rodgers does. Um, But there has to be a way for at least Aaron Rodgers to feel like he's being heard a little bit more. You know, maybe seek him out. 
ask for his advice, even if you're not going to take it. I don't know what it is, but at the very least, stop saying it's not going to be different. Because you're just conveying to Rodgers it's not going to be different, and he has a problem with the way things are. So, uh, I don't know. It's just it's a weird way to answer the question, I guess. I mean, it's it's probably an honest question, but I, I just think for the sake of, of unity, you should lie to us and tell us that it's going to be very different. And again, you don't have to change anything you're doing in terms of what actually materializes as far as players coming in, players going out. You just have to change the way that you communicate to Rodgers to make it feel like he's being heard more, and then you just go back to doing whatever it was you're doing. With an open mind, by the way, that maybe once in a while he's right. I'm not suggesting that you should disregard what he's saying because you shouldn't. I'm just saying, you know, you, it doesn't change as far as your assessment of the situation. Good accounts on whether bringing in Cobb hurts the development of young guys. And again, this is another answer where it just, it's, it's true, but it just, it kind of makes your skin crawl a little bit the way that he answers it because you can tell this is not coach speak. This is a guy who's letting the frustration bleed out. He says, we realize this is an important piece for Aaron early on. Um, have been working on it for some time. There are positives and negatives to everything. Having Randall in the building is a positive. Brian Gutekunst mentions Matt LaFleur will have a few packages that suit Amari and a few that will suit Randall. Also mentions that having Cabron will assist in Amari's development. So the reason that I didn't like it is, even though he concluded at the end that it was a positive, he implied that, yes, it's going to hurt the development of young guys. And the young guy that we're talking about is Amari. Um, because he... He goes on to say that there are some positives, and yes, there are some negatives. What are the negatives? The negatives are Amari's going to be on the bench, and I don't think Gutekunst likes that. And and again, he's, he acknowledges, look, you know, I mean, he's going to help him as far as being a mentor and everything else. But yeah, there are some development things that involve being on the field, and he's not going to be on the field because of, of Randall, and, and Randall is not the decision that Brian Gutekunst made. Then he goes on to say, Brian Gutekunst acknowledges making personnel decisions based on Aaron Rodgers' desires makes his job more difficult but calls this a, quote, unique circumstance with Randall Cobb. He stresses he has not relinquished control of personnel decisions despite trading for Cobb. And I think that's probably a concern as well. Um, Imagine you're a manager, but you have a guy that just helps you do your job all the time. If you're the guy in charge, your boss needs to know that you're competent and can do it. And if people are doing your job for you all the time, it sounds like the wrong person got the job. You got to remember, it's not just players who are in a cutthroat business. GMs and head coaches are as well. Their their livelihood is on a very thin line, and they're always looking to move on and find the next great guy or whatever. And if the play if the team's not winning, then you're in trouble. And Brian Gutekunst has a very important job, and his his ability to provide for his family is reliant on him doing his job. And now he's got some quarterback who's dictating to him, and he's like, "This is this is messing with my livelihood." And so he flat out says it makes his job more difficult. And I pointed out why that would be. I mean, he's got a whole big process of trying to do things and having meetings and all this stuff. And now you have to interject Rogers and Rogers says he doesn't like this. Now we got to go back to the drawing board and we, you know, it just adds a whole bunch of, of layers. And um, he didn't hire Rogers in the personnel staff. So it's, again, it's, it's true. And it's kind of obvious that it would make his job harder, but it's weird that he would say that out loud. Brian Gutekunst on how he treats outgoing players. Quote, I very much believe in the way that we release players, that we do it with class and integrity. It's a hard business, but we always do it with integrity and class. Again, I'm not in the rooms. All I know is guys don't seem to like the way that it happens, so I don't know. Um, Quote, when decisions are made, it's important to be able to explain those decisions to him. Brian Gutekunst talking about Rodgers, and again, I think that that's true. I think, again, communication. Gutekunst said the Packers' salary cap is okay with the Cobb addition, but he said the quarterback Aaron Rodgers' deal will be restructured later when more cap money is needed so that they can get through the season. He says nothing needs to be done right now. Obviously, they did come to some kind of an agreement just recently, and again, I don't exactly understand how it works, but there's some stuff there I gotta kind of go over. 
And I'm kind of just waiting for it to parse itself out because when I start guessing, I always get stuff wrong. So I'm kind of just waiting for people to explain it. And then I develop questions and then I answer those questions. And then once I have a more well-rounded understanding of what exactly happened and what it means going forward, that's when I'll talk about it. Quote, and this is a new quote, uh, particularly this year, we didn't have any resources to do anything in free agency. In the past, recruiting is never really a way we've done things. Uh, when we were aware it was something he wanted to do, talking about Rodgers, again, wanting to go around as a recruiter, we were open to doing it, but we weren't doing anything in free agency. And again, this is where I mentioned the other day that it's frustrating that this hasn't happened before because it's kind of too late. And I, I actually said this exact thing before this interview even took place. They don't have any salary cap to do anything, to go out and use him as a recruiter. In the past, they did. They don't right now. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. It's something to consider moving forward. I mean, if it's not Aaron Rodgers, you can have, you know, Devontae, you can have Aaron Jones, you can have Zadarius, you know, you can have some of these guys trying to work with you. I doubt the Packers will, because if Rodgers leaves and he leaves with his demands, I think the Packers will go right back to the way things were. But I think that's an important thing that they should consider keeping doing. And they, notice, they never said it was a good idea. They just said, we... Um, it's never really the way we've done things, but uh, we found out it was something he wanted to do. So we're like, all right, I guess, but there's no one we're after right now. So it's not like we decided this was a good idea and we would like him to do it, but uh, we just can't right now. That's not how that discussion went. Goes on to say, Brian Gutekunst agrees Devontae's worth the number one wide receiver contract in the NFL. Quote, he's a warrior when he's out there and we'll figure something out. Brian Gutekunst thinks Devontae should be the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. He thinks he and Adams have a different definition of what, quote, highest paid means, which is why nothing has been done yet. Asked what those different differentiations are, Gutekunst declines to elaborate. He says it's important for him to repair his personal relationship with Aaron Rodgers, who classified the relationship as professional. I doubt that's going to happen. It doesn't seem like he wants to really do that. Um, he added it'll take both sides for that to happen, which, again, it's it's like when when a, a couple are in a, in a fight. You can just pick up on those little digs. Right for for Brian Gutekunst, he's like, yeah, we got to work on our relationship, but it takes two people. What <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when your wife's like, I wish you would help out around the house a little bit more. And it's like, yeah, I I, I wish uh, maybe you would take out the garbage once in a while, but apparently that's just my job. You know what I mean? Like it, you just immediately deflect to the other person. Like you don't help out. Interesting, because I don't think you help out. You don't want to work this out. Interesting. I don't think you want to work. You know, it's just it just seems like they're in the middle of a spat. Like, it's still an ongoing fight. It's just it's just the way it feels. Brian Gutekunst on Aaron Rodgers' desire not to be a lame duck quarterback. Quote, I've never looked at it like that. At the moment, he has three years left on his contract, so he's not going to be a lame duck. We may alter that, but even still, it's not going to be one year left. So I think he's just kind of playing silly word games here. He's talking about act you know absolute terms of the deal. In other words, it's not a lame duck because you have two years on a contract. In other words, it's not officially your last year, but I, I, he's avoiding the obvious point that it's really just a one-year deal based on the structure. Then there are a few tweets that are sort of summaries of how day two went. First one says, Superimpose this Gutekunst presser with Aaron's presser yesterday, and the power struggle at play becomes crystal clear. I think both sides know this is going to be an especially tense year, but they also know that there's enough talent to collect uh, collected to do something special. Next tweet says, I think if we learned anything from that, it's that the Packers way will outlive Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Again, that was my takeaway. There's a lot of stuff that it just sounds like they're making concessions to Rodgers. They're not making changes to the way that they do things. Um, next note says, so basically Brian Gutekunst is saying Aaron Rodgers has always had input on personnel and they've always valued his voice, just that the Packers need to better incorporate it and better explain to him why they make certain decisions. Next one says, does anyone else get the sense that both Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst will be just fine with ending this professional, quote-unquote, relationship in a year? I fully agree with that. 
And then he goes on to say, seems like the only thing holding this ship together is that both know this is a really good team again. Agreed. Tell you what, guys, I was going to go through a lot of stuff, but it's already seven. I want to be out of here in an hour, which again, isn't going to happen. And I still have to upload three podcasts. I have to stop here. Um, so we'll, we'll do what we got to do in the future. But you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you. Well, I don't know when, but it'll be a while. But we got some podcasts for you. It's going to be fun. Stay tuned. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.